Today's scripture reading is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Please stand in honor of reading God's holy and inerrant word. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right, good morning, church. Hopefully you guys are doing all right. <clears throat> I heard one yeah. So either we all need prayer or uh, I'm just still sleeping. All right. So um, good to be with you guys here. And it's good to uh, just kind of be back into the routine of things or starting to get back to the routine of things. And, you know, we're about to, I know some of y'all, maybe your, your kids have started school and um, you're gone for the summer or, um, but yeah, as you guys are coming back um, and we, we are in the middle or not in the middle, we are almost at the end of the book of Philippians. And, and so where we've come to a point in chapter four where Paul, he kind of turns the final corner uh, of his letter. Um, and so as he kind of, kind of finishes off his letter, uh, what we're going to see, um, or at least what you would see if you read the rest of chapter 4, uh, a lot, uh, he begins to give many what commentaries would say is uh, a lot of these uh, pithy ex- exhortations. And so, um, and so there, there he tackles a bunch of little topics, and he's just kind of like quick boom, 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 here, do this, uh, you know, agree in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, and finally, brothers, whatever's true, and whatever all these things, and think these things, and practice these things. And so um, there's all these things where Paul, he's just kind of going through all of these different things. And uh, what you would see in chapter 4 is... Um, much of it is kind of application for the rest of the book, or from the, for, uh, for the beginning of the book. And, um, or it's a lot of the repeated themes of what he's already talked about in the book. Um, and a lot of themes that he wants to solidify or kind of just kind of emphasize as he's finishing off his letter. And so uh, for our passage today in Philippians, 1, uh, Philippians 4, 1 through 3, uh, we're going to see that he... He repeats a lot of the themes. He repeats a lot of key words. Uh, but also at the same time, he gives one very clear way to apply what he has said. And so if, if anything, look with me at verse 2. Uh, look at verse 2. Um, pretty, pretty easy to see. He says, I entreat Yodia and Syndiki to agree in the Lord. So it's easy to see the situation. It's easy to see uh, that there is conflict, right? It's easy to see that there is disagreement or maybe some sort of division going on between these two women. Um, there's, something, um, there's something going on, but we don't know exactly what. Um, but, but it has disrupted the unity of these two women. So Paul, Paul right here, he goes, he calls on them to work it out. He calls on them to agree in the Lord. And so Paul, he seeks out the reconciliation of these two women. Uh, But here's the thing. 
Paul, he doesn't really give us much to work with when it comes to how they should reconcile, right? Except for all he does say is, hey, so-and-so, come and help these women. And so he doesn't show them what they do necessarily, but if anything, what he does try to get at is the heart of reconciliation. So you could probably look up, and you can Google maybe steps to reconcile or conflict resolution. You could take some classes. You can read books on that. Um, and it's easy to kind of find steps or ways to reconcile. But the thing is, if there's no desire to reconcile, you're not even going to want to take that first step to reconcile, if that makes sense. So I, 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 what I want to do here and what Paul is trying to do here is he wants to address the heart he wants, to address, um, the, he wants to address the, the desire to reconcile for us in here today. And because here's the thing, because in conflict, there's bitterness. Because in, in, in conflict and division, there's hurt. And, and there's, there's disunity in all of these things. There's brokenness within conflict and, and disunity in the church. And so, so to have a desire to reconcile in the middle of bitterness to have a desire to reconcile in the middle of pain and, and hurt, that's going to be hard to find. So through today's passage, what we're going to see is we're going to see Paul, he dresses the heart in a few ways when it comes to reconciliation. That's kind of where we're going to go. The three things that the heart issues that we're going to see is he calls us, though, to love each other, each as family members, to stand firm in the Lord, and to help to, to, to overcome conflict with the help of others. And, um, and, and really, each of these points, he really gets at the heart of the issues and what's going on in our hearts. But before we do move on, before we kind of dig into this passage, I do want to say that the, the situation described here and what we describe and what we're going to talk about here today, it actually just applies to the church. It applies to believers uh, it, it applies to ch the church members seeking reconciliation and conflict resolution between two believers. And so that's one kind of caveat I want to mention before we dig in. So uh, the first thing, though, first Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, let's, let's look at this. So this is the point of we overcome conflict by loving each other as family. Philippians 4, 1, let's read this together. It says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. So again, right here, it's super easy to see straight out the kind of affection that Paul has for the church of Philippi. And not only, not only in this verse, not only in four, chapter 4, verse 1. If you remember, if you go back to the beginning of the uh, passage, if you go back to the beginning, sorry, beginning of the book, uh, Philippians, like maybe even 1, chapter 8, he says, I yearn for y'all with the affections of Jesus Christ. Or even in the beginning, he says that he, he, there's joy when he prays for them. Like he says, Paul is always praying for someone. So think about this. Think about your prayers. Think about who you pray for right now. Think about maybe the list of people that you pray for. You, unless you're using the prayer guide that Elise has made for us, you're probably not intentionally praying for other people in the church. I might be wrong, and praise God for that, but most, most of the time, we're going to be praying for people that are close with us. We're going to be praying for people who are, we connect with most of the time, maybe our family members. 
I mean, unless something's going on with someone in the church, then, then we'll like kind of add in a prayer for them, and we take it kind of on our minds. But most of the time, we pray more consistently those who are dear to us. Even in Philippians chapter 1, verse 7, he says, Paul says that he holds them dear to his heart. Right? And back in chapter 4, verse 1, Paul, he again, he again, he calls them beloved. He uses the word, he uses the term beloved twice. He says, those whom I love, and, and at the end of verse 1, my beloved. And so it's crazy to see, to see how much affection Paul has and how much he loves the church here. And even, again, he goes even further. He, goes, he also said, I long for. I long for. The, he, the word here is I long to see. I, I, I want to see you. I, if anything, it's like I miss you. Right? In, in other letters, Paul, Paul, he says other things. He says similar things. Um, and maybe you think about it, you think about his other letters, you're like, wait, but he says that to the other churches. And, you know, in uh, Second, Second Timothy, he says, I long to see you, but he adds in other things. There's always a purpose be, behind his longing to see someone. So in, Tim, in Timothy, he says, uh, in the book of Timothy, he says, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 11, he says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Um, and even Thessalonians, for Thessalonians, he says, We pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking. So there's like this purpose, there's these reasons, I want to see you, I, I'm excited to come see you because there's something I want to do. There's all these things that, that, that kind of wants, that, that, that kind of leads him to want to see the other people. But here in Philippians, here in Philippians, when he uses this word, uh, whom I love and whom I long for, it's the only thing. That's it. He's just, it's just straight up, I want to see you. I can't wait to see you. I miss you, right? Think about, think about, think about being in a relationship. You know, first, first few, few, few months of a relationship, right? Or even you're just like, oh, I miss you, I miss you, I miss you more, I miss you more, I miss you more, right? And, and then you don't want to hang up the phone and this and that, right? And you always want to see the person. You're hanging out with them all the time. Like, it's kind of that, that feeling right there. And hopefully it's more than just the first few months, right? But, uh, but that, that's this idea of I, I, I long to see you. And he, this is the only time he uses his word because of this emphasis on that. So he has, a, Paul has a deep desire and deep affection for the people of Philippi. But at the same time, at the same time, along with these, these of deep affections and these, these words of beloved, I long to see you, my joy and crown. Uh, he also says, my brothers and sisters. He's always reminding everyone in that he's he's always reminding everyone in his letters that they're family. But again, he he says it differently this time again, because he could he could have simply said, "Therefore, brothers, therefore, brothers and sisters, therefore, so and so," but he adds this. He adds in the word "my brothers." And so he's emphasized that I'm a part of you. I, I, I'm right there with you in this family. You are a part of me in this family of God. And just like at the end of verse 1, he says, my beloved. He wants to emphasize to his reader who they are to him. So the question is here. The question is I want to I propose to you guys and I want you all to think about this is this. 
Does the familial status, does the affections that Paul has for the, the, the church at Philippi, does that only apply to Paul? Does that only apply to Paul and the church? Because that's, that's almost like me saying, hey, you know what? Like, like these kinds of affections is only meant for me and you guys. Or more Mr. Henry and you guys. Like, like we're the only ones that need to love you with deep affections. And, and, and we need to care for you. And, and, and that relationship, family relationship, it only, it's, it's only here. But here's the thing. It must not stop with Paul. It doesn't just stop with Paul and the church. It doesn't just stop with me and you guys and Minister Henry with you guys. Because even last week, we, Paul, Paul says, Paul, Im- imitate Paul. Imitate me as imitate Christ. We don't imitate just the morality of Paul. We imitate everything of Paul. We imitate the affections of Christ that, that Paul has. So, so if, if Paul has the affections of Christ, then we should have the affections of Christ. And all these things should be in the church. So every single member of the church must treat each other as a beloved family member of God. So as Paul, as Paul he has, he entreats these two women he does it. He does it on the foundation of four, chapter four, verse one. As he be, before he even begins to go, hey, 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 Yodia, I entreat you, Yodia. Hey, hey, Syndicate, before I entreat you, I, 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 you have to see who you are to me. You have to see who you are to each other. He is making this request on the basis of their own relationship with him and each other. People may hurt you, but they're still family. People do things that you don't agree with, and they're still family. People might like to cause drama all the time. They're still family. People might annoy you. They're still family. People may wrong you or sin against you, and they're still family. You know, there's this one time, I think this was, after, this was after I had finished my internship here, and I, was, I had gone off to seminary, and one of the summers I came back uh, for, uh, for, for, for camp, and then there was all these post, post-camp events. Uh, and so I was attending one of these post-camp events, and after this event, um, I took some students home. They had asked me, hey, can you take me home? And I was like, sure. And so, uh, but the thing was, I didn't know it was past the student's curfew. And they had kind of asked me last minute, and everyone's like, all right, so since you're out, I'm, I'll take you home. And, um, and so here's the thing, though. When I got, when I got to the student's home, um, the dad was meeting me outside in the middle of the road. Like, he was waiting for us to get there. Um, and so what happened in that moment was, like, he comes out, meets us in the middle of the road. Like, I barely get out of the car. And he starts to berate me for like five minutes. He's like yelling at me, asking me what I'm doing. And then even at some point, he's like, you know, like he questions my call to ministry. I'm just like, oh my goodness, right? And, and, and at that moment, I'm just like, all right, yes, like, okay, I agree with you. Or like I nod in my head and, and I apologized and left. But also, but what was also going on in that moment was my perception of him began to change. He was the nicest guy before this moment. Like, we had conversations in the hallways and everything. Uh, we, had, we laughed. We had good conversations. It was always a joy to see him. But after that moment, after that, 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 that five minutes, my view of him changed. I viewed him very differently. I didn't really like him. 
I didn't really want to interact with him. To me, he was like this crazy, angry guy. And I just remember a handful of times I saw him afterwards, and after this incident, I would just try to avoid him. I would avoid him. I would not, I, I, maybe I would try to say, maybe if I had to walk past him, it's like one of those awkward, awkward scenarios where like, you see the person down the hall, and like, you're in this way, but you ain't turning back, right? It's like those situations, so you, you got to go, and you just got to walk past the person, and I say hi, and, and you just, that's it. But the thing was, the situation, that, that moment of his, his yelling at me overshadowed, to, overshadowed to, 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 to who he really was to me. He's family. He's family. He's not this crazy, angry dude to me anymore. Yeah, he, yes, he's, he, he's, a sinful per- he's a sinful person, but he's also purchased and redeemed by Christ, just like I am. You know, if God has forgiven him of his sins, then I can do the same thing to forgive him for yelling at me for just a few minutes. Even if him yelling at me was maybe justified or anything like that, even so. So he and I, we belong to the family of God. The family of forgiven people. People's wrongdoings and offenses, they, they, they usually overshadow their, their, their stance before God. They, they, it usually overshadows who they are uh, and, and how they belong to the family of God. Because if this was a situation for us, if, 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 our, if our wrongdoings, if our offenses, and if what we do overshadowed, if overshadowed, uh, overshadowed um, you know, our stance before God, then we'd be in trouble. But if anything, God has done the opposite. God goes, I know what you've done. God goes, I know everything you've done. I know everything that you will do. I know everything, every, everything wrong. I know, I know every broken relationship that you will cause. I know every strife that you will cause between people. I know every conflict that you have caused. I know everything that you have done, and yet you are still my child. I know everything you have done and everything you will do and every hateful word that you have and every hateful thought that you have and every person that you've been angry at, and yet you are still my child. And you belong in my family, and I, my, my son has died for you to belong here. So it doesn't matter what you have done, because, but because of what Jesus Christ has done, you are a child. You are in this family, and so is that person right next to you. So is that person to your left and to your right, if they are in Christ Jesus. What Christ has done overshadows what we have done and brings us into a family of God. But maybe, maybe there are some of us in here, you don't have beef with people. Sorry, uh, maybe some of us in here, we don't have problems with people, right? I don't know if y'all know what their beef is, but um, meat. But uh, maybe, maybe you don't have problems with people. Maybe you're in here, you're just like, you know what? Like, you know, I, I, I get along with everyone here. Or maybe everyone here is just an acquaintance to you. Maybe you're in a person here who has no conflict and and. Or if anything, maybe you're someone in here and you're just not plugged into the family. My challenge and my question to all of us here is, do we walk around here and, and see people as family members or are they just acquaintances? Do we come and go and relationships aren't built with anyone in here? 
Right, you know, this is just uh, an, another place that we attend, that we kind of go to class, go to Sunday school, and when we leave, do we have any interaction with people outside of this room? Like we, every time we talk about when we invite new members here, right, we, we, we kind of have them stand up here, and, and, then, and then we as members, we stand up, and, and then we, you know, we say, hey, you know, we as members, we we hope by the grace of God that we would invite these new members into our, 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 our homes. And, and we would invite them and eat with them and, and build relationships with them. And, but how many of us have, I don't, know, I don't know if that's happened with you guys, if you have followed through with that. But my question and challenge to us here is maybe there's not problems with you here. Maybe you don't have problems with people. But maybe people are just strangers in here. Maybe people are just acquaintances in here. Because if we're strangers, then this family aspect of it is out the door. And if we're not family, if we're just strangers, we want nothing to do with each other. So hear the words of Paul. Hear the words of Paul when he says that if you are a believer, if you are in Christ your family, you belong here. And so we overcome conflict by seeing each other as family members, by loving each other as family members. And so we go on to our second point. Our second point is we overcome conflict by standing firm in the Lord. And so again, let's read verses one, but also verse two this time. Uh, if you look with me, therefore my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Verse 2, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syndicate to agree in the Lord. So we see three things kind of going on in this passage, two of which we already talked about. We see Paul's affections for the Philippians. Second, we have seen the situation. We see the situation uh, that Paul is addressing, the disagreement between Iodia and Syndicate. But the last thing that we see in this passage, or in these two verses, uh, we see Paul's exhortation, his two exhortations. We see Paul says, stand firm in the Lord. And then he also says what? To agree in the Lord. But the thing is here, you see these two arguments, uh, these, these stand firm in the Lord and to agree in the Lord, but it's also preceded by the beginning of, uh, basically it's preceded by chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, therefore. So what Paul is saying, is says, therefore, stand firm. Therefore, agree. But even if we read even more closely, if you look at it even more, uh, we, if we read it, Paul's main argument right here is actually to, to stand firm. Um, to agree in the Lord is actually just one way to live out uh, the larger call of standing firm in the Lord, if that makes sense. So Paul, he addresses the conflict and shows that agreeing in the Lord um, is actually part of standing firm. And so again, I want to talk about this word, stand firm. Um, we actually saw this word back in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, Paul calls them to stand firm. If you remember, he says, calls them to stand firm in one spirit and one mind. Uh, he wanted them to stand together with people in the front lines. Uh, in, in Philippians chapter 1, he basically says, stand together, fight together. But in here, in this passage, he's saying, stand firm in the Lord. So this is the purpose. 
This is the purpose behind standing firm. This is the reason not to give up. Uh, if you guys were here, uh, a few, uh, maybe at the beginning of summer, when I talked about stand, the word stand firm, I used that uh, scene from Infinity War. It was a scene where the, the soldiers are in the front lines, and then they were in Wakanda, and then there was the big force field, and then there was like this, the plethora, it was like the, the alien invasion, and there was an onslaught of them, and they were coming for them, right? The, the example used there was, that, you know, the aliens were coming for them, and yet the soldiers were in the front lines, they were standing firm, they weren't backing down, they were going straight at them. And so that's kind of the picture that we saw in verse in chapter one. But in the picture that we see here today is what was the reason why they were standing firm? What was the reason why the, the soldiers in Wakanda were, were going were to face the onslaught of aliens? Well, if you remember in the movie, the purpose behind that, the purpose and why they stood firm there was to protect vision or, if anything, uh, to protect the mind stone from being taken, if y'all remember. The purpose now, the reason why they were standing firm was to prevent them from getting the mind stone. And so that was the purpose here. And so, so again, when Paul, right here in this passage, he says, stand firm, he says, not only just to stand firm, but he says, stand firm in the Lord. That's the purpose. That's what's going to hold you up. And so he gives us the ground to stand on here. He tells them to stand on the foundation of the Lord. So what does it mean to stand firm in the Lord? Well, with the usage of therefore, because he says therefore, Paul points us back to the eschatological hope we have in Christ. So what that means is uh, Paul points to an end, uh, to, to the, the, a future hope. And so uh, in the end, the, what we hope in is what? In the, in the end, we hope for, what we hope for is the authority in the power and honor of glory of Christ that will outshine everything else. So if you, again, let's go back to the passage that we read last week in Philippians 3. In Philippians 3, look at this. In Philippians 3, verse 20. Verse 20, 3, verse 20, he says this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even to subject all things to himself. So as believers in here, every believer in here, this is our hope. This is what's coming for us. This is our future. No matter what happens here on earth, this is our future. This is our end. Our end is Christ on the throne. So, so, so what happens is Christ on the throne must overshadow everything that happens here on this earth. So we must live with the end in mind, especially when it comes to disagreements. It doesn't matter how big of a conflict that you're going through or how big of a disagreement that you have. It doesn't matter how much pain was caused by someone else in, in, in relationship. It doesn't matter the topic of disagreement. Whatever it is, the hope of Christ, the hope of Christ on the throne should be of greater influence and control in our life now. The hope that we have should compel us to live differently and see differently in all different areas in our lives. Again, since our disagreements shouldn't overshadow our familial standings, so in the same way our disagreements and our conflicts shouldn't overshadow our future. We stand together before Christ in the end. Do you all see that? 
In the end, in the end, when we, you and I, when we, when we stand before Christ, when we're worshiping Christ together, all the pain goes away. In the end, when we stand before Christ, when Christ is on the throne and Christ is in his glory, full glory and full honor, and he gets all the praise, all the tears goes away. And all the pain that comes and goes, that goes away. We will recognize our fallenness. We will recognize our shortcomings when we, when we, in the end. We'll look back in our disagreements and we'll kind of think of how silly they were and how foolish we were. But the thing is, but the thing is here, the future hope is not just for us in here. The future hope is for others as well. The future hope is for, for those of us, uh, it's for our church. If anything, the future hope is the livelihood of the church. The goal, the goal for all of us in here isn't just for us as believers just to stand here before the Lord. No, no, no. The goal for us is to, to bring the nations before the Lord. The goal for us in here as believers is to bring the lost before the Lord. Because if, if you read on, Paul, he brings up the example of Iodia and Syndicate who labored side by side for the gospel. So what is he saying? Paul, he says, hey, remember what we did? Remember what we did as a church? Remember how we had one goal? Remember that all the people, remember all the people who came to know Jesus Christ through us and our work together? And they're standing next to you now in the church. And those people who are lost out there are, stand, are, are in here now in the church. They're worshiping with you. They are your brothers and your sisters right now in the church. Remember the work we did together. Remember how we strive side by side for the gospel. The lost are now family. Agree in the Lord. Agree in the Lord because the livelihood of the church matters. Because, agree and stand firm in the Lord because the livelihood and the purpose of the church is at stake when there's conflict and everything, when there's this strife in between us. Because if you agree in the Lord, you see our common goal. The end goal is for all of us in here and the nations who are awaiting a savior that is coming for us. You know, it's been a month since we've been on our youth mission trip and, and I'd like to thank everyone who was praying for us and um, who, who were able to send us out. Um, and I, and I, it was a great trip. It was a great trip. I really believe that God used this trip to speak to our students and, and really speak to me as well. Um, you know, I, I, you know from the trip, God, God, praise God, because on the trip, three of our students said they would be willing to go, uh, to get, willing to give their lives for missions. And so my, 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 my ask, my prayer, or my hope is that you guys pray for those three students. That you pray that God will continue to, to, uh, to work with them and, and guide them in their lives and to kind of show them a clear path of what it is that they want for the, what it is that God wants for their life. And so that's awesome. I pray, and I praise God that, that he moved in their lives. But while we were on this trip, or while, when we were on this trip, we did experience a few things that, let's say, was a little different flavor from what we're used to in here. Um, you know, one example was like, and, and during music, during some of the music and worship times, people were just going crazy, and, you know, people were on the ground worshiping, people were jumping up and down, hands up in the air. It's a little different flavor than us in here, huh? yeah? 
And, um, but uh, not just the music, but everything else. Like everything else, um, or not everything else, but some other things. And, you know, it was our first time working with YWAM, so I was still learning more about the organization. And here's the thing. I actually think YWAM is a great organization, um, and they have a great vision and a great heart, uh, which is why we even wanted to partner with them. Um, and their heart and their vision is to see youth. YWAM is Youth with the Missions. And so, of course, their vision is to see youth be on fire for Jesus and go out to the nations for the glory of God. I love that. I, they, they want the youth. They want young people to go out for the glory of God into the nations to make him known. And so what we learned was that at the same time, because this organization is so big, this, big, this organization, they're in many different countries, and, um, and they have many different bases all over the world. And uh, because they're so big and so many people on staff, um, they have many people from different backgrounds. Um, they have people from all, from different, from all different de uh, denominations. And again, that's another great picture of the nations, of the people of God. But of course, with that, with, because there's so many people, um, while on this trip, we did see uh, a few things that we disagreed upon, uh, that, we, that we didn't really disagree with. Um, you know, I want to say that the, things that, we dis, uh, that the things that we agreed on, though, uh, were the primary issues. And so I really had no problems with what we experienced or what we saw, and it wasn't, and it wasn't uh, ex uh, too much. Uh, but it was some of the secondary or tertiary things that we didn't see eye to eye on. Um, so as we began to learn or maybe experience some new things on this trip, um, you know, I, I simply asked the students, hey, you know what, like, what can we learn from our brothers and sisters? Because they're different from us, because they experience God differently or, or seek to see, uh, be a little bit different, you know, what can we learn from them? Um, but here's the thing. At the same time, even though we disagreed on a few things, even though there were some things that was a little bit different flavor from us, we agreed. We agreed. We wanted to see students be on fire for missions. We wanted to see students be on fire for the mission of God. We wanted to see students be willing to go out into the nations and, and go out to where the loss is and go out to where the gospel is not known and that, that they would give their lives to, for Christ. We were in agreement with that. Yeah, we were, maybe we were disagreements with some areas of, 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 you know, of, of different theology or doctrine, but secondary, tertiary things. But we were on board. We were worried, hey, we want students to go and live for Jesus. We want students to be on fire for God. And we got to see that. We got to see that. We got to see God move in these big ways. We got to see, move, we see God move in and call our students into missions. And, and hopefully that, that you know, God will continue to do that. So question for you guys is, does your conflict does your conflict stand in the way of being united in purpose? Can you run together? Can you partner together in the gospel? You know, or is there disagreement? Is the disagreement between uh, that you have causing a disunity and impacting your, the, the way you're, you're, you're displaying the gospel in your life? Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in purpose. Stand firm in, the, for, in, in unity for the sake of the gospel. So the last thing that we see here, 
um, before the last, the last point is we overcome conflict with the help of others. Let's look. Verse four, verse, uh, chapter, three, chapter 4, verse 3. He says, Yes, I ask you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me to in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So the last thing we see here in this passage, Paul is trying to involve another person. Now, this is maybe a step, right? And something that we can um, actually, like a, a step in rec- reconciliation. But, uh, but he involves another person in this situation. And this, pers- this could potentially be someone, uh, this could be someone specific in the church, maybe a church leader or someone that knows both of these women. But it's not clear. It's not clear who this person is. Uh, the, the word used for companion uh, could al- it could also be a name in the Greek language. And so kind of think of the words like joy or grace, where it's a word, but also it could be a name. And so we don't know who this is. We don't know who Paul is addressing. We don't know who Paul is asking to be a part of this situation. What we do know is that Paul brings him or, him or her into uh, the situation to help. So there are a few things that we can draw from this and um, one thing is that this was a church matter. The conflict was a church matter. The conflict, this disunity was a church matter. It, 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 again, it messed with the, the livelihood of the church. Paul, he was not inv- only involving one or two other people. Yeah, if anything, he was involving the church. This letter was sent to the written to the whole church. And he was, it was read before the whole church. The situation was serious enough for Paul to name them in this letter. If you think about this, if you think about uh, all the other letters of Paul, he doesn't usually do this. He doesn't call people out like this. And it's almost as if maybe I knew of a situation here and I called specific people out. And the only way we would ask probably if anything we do that was if a situation was serious enough. So naming people in this way was not something Paul did. But he does so to say that this is something serious and something so widespread in the church and it needed to be dealt with. And when I say that conflicts are a church matter, it doesn't mean that everyone needs to know all the details. It doesn't mean that everyone needs to know what goes on and we get to gossip around it. But when I say it's a church matter, again, when I say it's a church matter, is that, is that conflicts, um, conflicts affect the life of the church. As we just said, the church was, was involved in striving for the gospel. The, the, the church uh, affected the work of the church. Conflicts were not meant to be solved alone. Conflicts were not, to, um, uh, conflicts were not meant to be just solved between one per, uh, two people, but rather it, was invo- uh, it actually it involves the church. It involves everyone around who knows these people, who can speak into the lives of these people. So again, another point when I say another takeaway that we can have from this passage is that um, another, another takeaway is if you're in, if, is a plea, is a plea for those who are in conflict in here today. If you are in disagreement with someone, my plea to you is to receive help. Paul's plea to you is to receive help. Be open to receiving help. I believe the hardest part in, in any disagreement we go through is, is the process of humbling ourselves. It, it, this, this, this is a plea from Paul from earlier in the book. Because in the earlier in the book, he says what? Be of the same mind. Humble yourself. Count others more significant than yourself. It takes humility to receive guidance and help from others. 
It takes great humility just to ask. So let me ask you, if you're in conflict right now, or if you've ever been in conflict, how are you receiving help from others? Are you just rejecting it completely? Has someone tried to step in and you just rejected them? Have you pushed them away? Or maybe you have received things and maybe you have heard things and they just make you mad. And you're just angry about what you've heard and you just don't want to listen to what they have to say. Do you graciously accept what's being told to you? Humble ourselves. And that's the plea from Paul. A plea to receive help. But on the other side of that, and one last thing that we take away is as, as someone who's maybe, for all of us in here, if we're not in a, any sort of conflict, maybe we're not involved in a conflict, maybe we don't have any beef with anyone, but maybe you believe you should step into a situation. Maybe you believe you, you should step in and say something to people. And, and I must say, if you believe there's a situation, there's a conflict, uh, that, and for the sake of the church, for the health of the church, for the livelihood of the church, for the sake of the gospel, I would say if there's a conflict, if there's disunity that's affecting, uh, just, that's affecting people, I would say step into that situation. Hopefully the ones in conflict will be humble. Hopefully they will see that you're not just trying to be nosy. Hopefully they will see that you're not just, you're not just trying to meddle into other people's businesses. No, 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 no. As family God, we genuinely care. We genuinely care for each other. We genuinely care for everything that's going on with everyone. We genuinely care because there's hurt. We genuinely care because there's pain, there's tears being shed in conflict. And so care, step into situations where, um, where people might need it. So for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the unity of the church, because we are family, may we push aside any sin, may we push aside any hindrances that may cause us to stumble, that may, that, 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 that may cause us to fumble our call to be witnesses to the nations. If there's any conflict here, if there's any disagreements, if there's any disunity, we must put that aside for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the lost. May we come together, may we stand together, May we stand firm together in the Lord, and may we agree in the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to see just how deep your blood runs within all of us. May we see what you have done on the cross to purchase us, and you have made us a family, that you have made us your people, that you have brought us together, and that we're connected by your death. We are connected by your resurrection. We are connected by a purpose, your purpose your purpose to be seen in the nations, your purpose to be known in the, in the lost. Would you help us to see? Would you help us to stand firm? Would you help us to run the race that is set out for us as a family? Would you help us? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.